Welcome to day five of our look at 1 Thessalonians chapter three and daily drive time devotions. Yesterday we looked at verses 11 to 13 together, but Paul had to teach us about prayer. We're gonna focus on those same verses again today, a more specific look at specific prayers. I mean, let me just tell you a story about prayer in, in my life, our family's life. Years ago, when our oldest son, Ryan, was in kindergarten, he got a goldfish. He put it in a bowl, and unlike many of the other goldfish that we'd gotten down through the years, this one actually lived for more than a day. That was a miracle in and of itself. Well, the fish started to grow. Ryan got attached to it. Our our family got attached to it. He named it Goldie. It became a family pet. And one day, Goldie started not swimming quite straight. We changed the water. We did all the things we were supposed to do, but he, he still wasn't quite swimming right. We thought he'd probably be okay. Just let the water, the air get to him. He'll be fine, we told Ryan. A few hours later, Goldie was floating on top of the bowl. He didn't look okay. In fact, he looked dead. Ryan was looking into the tiny eyes of this little goldfish, and he said, maybe we should pray for him. You know those tough prayer spots you get in as a parent? This was one of them. Well, we said, okay, Ryan, you can pray for him. But we tried to set him up for what might really happen. In the morning, he's still like this. We'll understand because God takes goldfish away sometimes. So Ryan prayed for his goldfish. Well, the next morning, Shonda and I were laying in bed. The goldfish bowl happened to be in the hallway outside of our room, and we heard Ryan get up before we did. We heard his little feet pattering towards the goldfish bowl. We're lying there with our teeth clenched, and all of a sudden, we hear this sound. Yay, he yells. The goldfish was alive. <laughs> Let me ask you, when was the last time God surprised you like that? Oh, by the way, this just happened to be Easter morning that this happened. When was the last time that God surprised you like that? In fact, let me ask you even a more important question. When was the last time you asked him to? I understand that God doesn't answer every prayer the way that I want him to. But I don't want that understanding to keep me from praying with all my heart for God's specific answers to prayer. Often, in our attempts to not face the disappointment of an unanswered prayer, we stop praying specifically and we miss the joy of answered prayer in our lives. How do I pray specifically in a wise biblical way? In ways that God says, I'm going to answer. Well, in Paul's prayer, there are four directions for specific prayers. Paul has some incredible lessons to teach us. And I think one of the most incredible about prayers in these few verses, we have a good example here of how the Spirit helped the apostle to pray exactly for what these people needed. An example we need to learn from. Four specific things to pray for. Number one, you pray for God to remove obstacles. That's one of the specific prayers that Paul teaches us to pray. In verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Clear the way, get the obstacles out of the way. God's will is a powerful thing. And when the obstacles are out of the way, his will is done. That's how powerful he is. If his will isn't being done, there's something in the way. Now, the only reason there's something in the way is because God's allowed something to be in the way for a time. He's allowed Satan to reign on this earth for a brief amount of time. He's allowed a world to exist in which we can do evil. We can make choices against him. He has allowed that. So when those obstacles are out of the way, his will will be done. That's why we pray that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven when it's done immediately. When I pray for X to happen, I also need to pray specifically, Paul is teaching us here, that Y and Z will be taken out of the way so that X can happen. Now, X, Y, and Z, that's not very specific when we're talking about specific prayers. 
So let me be more specific. If you're praying for someone to come to know Christ, then you say, Jesus, I not only pray for them to have faith, but I pray that these obstacles would be taken out of the way. The obstacle of some friendships they may have or a a relationship they may have that's keeping them from considering Christianity or a doubt that they may have that needs to be answered. Now, once those obstacles are out of the way, they still have a choice. God's not going to force them to become a believer. But you can pray with faith specifically that the obstacle will be taken out of the way. Now, by the way, Paul prayed this prayer, obstacles will be removed. Did this prayer that Paul prayed right here ever get answered? Yes, it did. In Acts 20, verse 1, Paul talks about going to the people in Thessalonia once again. He reminds us that when we pray specifically, it doesn't always happen immediately, but God does remove the obstacles, and we see his answers to prayer in our lives. There's a second thing to pray for. You pray for God to increase love. In verse 12, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. There's two words that focus on how love grows in this passage. He says, I pray that your love may increase and your love may abound. Increase and abound. That's how love grows. It grows and it overflows. To increase is to grow in your life. To abound is to overflow in your life. It increases and it abounds. It overflows and then it's able to increase. It increases and then it's able to overflow. The two are tied together. That's the process. It has to happen that way. You can't have it overflow into other people's lives unless it's increasing in your own life. But you cannot have love increase in your own life unless it's also overflowing into other people's lives. It takes both. That is the process. And Paul says, don't just pray for circumstances to change. Pray for your character to change, the character of others to change. Now, you can pray for God to give you things, and he'll answer those prayers, and it's a thrill when he does that. It's an exciting thrill. God, I need this thing, and God answers that prayer. The Bible tells us to ask God for all of our needs, and it might be exciting when he answers those prayers. Of course it is. But you know what you can also do? You can pray for God to increase your love. You can pray for God to increase the love of the people around you, and that is a greater thrill. You pray for God to remove obstacles. You pray for God to increase love. You pray, number three, for believers to grow. In verse 13, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. Pray for the hearts of believers to change. The theologian Dallas Willard was once asked, what is prayer? And one of the definitions among many that he gave was, it's a means of forming a character fit to reign with God. We need to pray that for each other. We need to be praying for each other to grow. Don't just pray for your own growth. Pray for other people to grow. And when we do that, people do grow. God answers that prayer. Jesus has already said that's his will in our lives. That's what he's working to do in our lives. So you get along with the plan of God and you pray for the plan of God in people's lives. Now, can this really happen? I pray for someone to grow and it really occurs. Yes, it can. I've seen it happen hundreds of times. And the times that I've remembered, I don't always remember, the times that I have remembered to do this, I have seen God almost always very quickly honor this prayer. Why? Because you're praying for a believer who has the Holy Spirit in their life. And God wants to do this in their life. And he's given us his word to accomplish this in his life. It is his will. And the obstacles are pretty easy to remove. And it happens. You pray for people to change, for our character to grow. And then there's a fourth thing Paul reminds us to pray for here. He says you pray for God's greatest will. 
in verse 13, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. When you pray, do you pray for the greatest thing that God can do in that circumstance? I'd encourage you, don't pray 25% prayers. Don't pray 50% prayers. Pray pray 100% prayers. Paul did that here. May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. That's 100% prayer, blameless and holy. He didn't say, I I pray for you that you'll grow a little. He didn't say, "I, I pray for you that you'll be a little bit more faithful. He said, I pray that when you stand in Jesus's presence, holy, blameless, 100%. 100% of God's greatest will for their lives. That's what he prayed for. Now, remember that in the New Testament, we have truths beside each other that we are made holy by the forgiveness of Christ and we're being made holy by our growth in Christ. And Paul refers to both, I believe here. One has to do with salvation, our standing with God. The other has to do with sanctification, our growth in Christ. And I think Paul is thinking about both here. Strengthen your hearts because you will be blameless and holy in his presence because of what Christ did. And you're also growing towards a blameless and holy life because of what Christ is doing. He prayed confidently for 100% of God's greatest will. How about you? Apply this to a practical decision that you have to make. When you think, if only God would give me this job in Kansas City, where I really feel like my family's needs would be met and I could be excited about that job and be used of God in that job, if God would just give me that job. But then you think, no, I'm not going to ask for that. I'm just going to ask God to give me a job. 25% prayer. Or I'm going to ask God to give me a a, a good job that uses my skills and where I can serve him. A 50% prayer. Don't pray 25% prayers. Don't pray 50% prayers. Pray 100% prayers. God, I'm not sure it's your will, but I sense that that it's it's Kansas City. I I sense that it's your will for me to be there to make a difference. And God, if, if my sense is right about this, I pray with all my heart that you would get the obstacles out of the way. I pray that that would happen so that I could serve you there and make a difference that I sense I could make for you there. Pray 100% prayers. Now, two questions to expand your prayers to 100%. Question number one is, what do you want God to do most in your life? What is the thing more than anything else that you want God to do? Jesus often asks that question of people, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you might be thinking, what if what I'm asking for is wrong? If with all of your heart, 100% of yourself, you ask God for the wrong thing, then God, with all his heart, 100% of himself, is going to tell you it's the wrong thing. But if you never ask for it, you're never going to know. You know one of the reasons we don't ask God for it? Because we're afraid he doesn't want to give it to us. We're afraid it's going to be a no. And so we don't ask because we don't want to hear the no. We hold out, hoping somehow we can get it by ourselves without having to ask God. But if you want God's will in your life, you say, what do you want God to do most? And you ask him for that 100%, but don't stop there. Also ask, what do you believe God wants to do most? Not what do you want most, what do you believe God wants to do most? That takes it to a higher level. What do you think God wants to do most in the place that you work? What do you think God wants to do most in your family? What do you think God wants to do most in your heart? What do you think God wants to do most in this church? When you start to pray like that, you are praying 100% for God's greatest will. In fact, let's take a minute to pray that kind of prayer right now. 
Do right now what we've been talking about. Pray for God's greatest will in your life, in the life of someone that's on your mind right now. Pray with humility and pray with confidence. Humble confidence. As you say, God, here it is. Here's what I'm asking for. And I just open my heart to you. And as a child, I come to you. And I ask for this with all that I have. God, you know I'm praying with humility. If you say no, if you say go in a different direction, I will accept that. But right now, as best as I know, this is what I sense is your will. And so I pray for it. I put it in your hands, Jesus. I trust you with this. In your name, amen. Well, next week, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4 has some of the clearest teaching about the second coming of Christ anywhere in the New Testament. If you've ever been confused by the book of Revelation, 1 Thessalonians 4 is the place to start in the New Testament, I believe, when it comes to understanding the second coming of Christ. Join us next week. (music) 